Welcome to another episode of the podcast that continues to set records and then break them in the podcasting world. This is And Another Thing. My name is Jody Jenkins. And I am Tony Clement. And we are so excited to continue to move towards almost a year of doing this podcast, Tony. We are almost at episode 52, if you can believe it. I, it's it's hard to believe. I remember uh, being in uh, the radio station with you, just starting with a podcast, just you and me riffing, uh, talking about stuff. And uh, it's really ballooned since then. So I just want to thank our listeners. And of course, we'd be nowhere without them. And we should also thank our sponsor, Municipal Solutions. Absolutely. Of course, John and the crew at Municipal Solutions are the proud presenters each week of this podcast, our main sponsor. And we are so excited um, to have them on board. And I know we have a little treat. We're going to announce that in a second. But before we do that, Tony, I also want to mention that it is our Thanksgiving special. It is. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you, have you have you cooked your turkey yet? No, but we just pardoned one. So no. I started doing that. I started doing that at our household. Uh, about three years ago, so we pardoned a turkey. And- <laughs> oh, aren't you sweet? We have so many wild turkey around here in Muskoka that uh, you know you couldn't uh, you couldn't take a, a a rustic rural walk without seeing families of turkeys crossing the road. So, yeah, the closest I've ever gotten to wild turkey was passing that bottle around, a bottle around of it after ah. a baseball game years yeah. ago. Yeah, that was man, that stuff. It 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 certainly warms your insides. <laughs> It'll do that. <laughs> All right. Why don't you introduce our guest? We're excited to welcome uh, a fabulous gentleman. I'm looking forward to this episode. Well, I am too. Uh, and of course, uh, we're talking about Mr. John Mutton. He is uh, the founder and uh, the CEO of Municipal Solutions and also a personal friend of mine, uh, former mayor of the of uh, Clarington in Ontario, in Durham region. Uh, and he's had quite a storied life, uh, really interested in all sorts of things, almost like a Renaissance man, uh, martial arts, uh, mixed martial arts. Uh, he has been involved in the nuclear sector. Uh, he's uh, quite an entrepreneurial businessman, cannabis sector. So let's give it up to our, our real, uh, really interesting guest for us today, Municipal Solutions, John Mutton. Welcome, John. Well, thanks, Welcome, guys. John. It's a ple- pleasure to be here, uh, Tony and Jody. So tell us, I think the first thing you should do uh, is tell us a little bit about Municipal Solutions. Uh, you know, obviously, you're a sponsor of the show, but uh, why don't yes. you put it in, in your words? Well, um, I founded Municipal Solutions after I left uh, public office back in 2006. And uh, we originally started uh, being um, a development services uh, company. And then quickly, uh, we were picked up by the building trades across Ontario, then across Canada, and then across um, North America. And we w- we found that the, the building trades had an issue with um, a lot of their work being lost to not only non-union companies, but that wasn't the issue of losing work to non-union companies. The issue was losing work to companies that did not have certified, qualified electricians, um, plumbers, uh, and uh, different folks like that on site or indentured apprentices. 
And where that causes problems is within uh, public health, of course, with dysentery, with uh, plumbing. Uh, there's been fires with uh, not proper electricians. So uh, we went around and um, basically. Did you, did you say did you say dysentery? Yes, with dysentery. And um, oh God. Yeah. So if you take a look at um, um, the if, if you have you have to have certified and qualified people doing um, medical gas or you're going to have infections, you're going to have fires if you don't have qualified people doing electricity. So what we did is we uh, took a look at every procurement bylaw at all uh, institutions, um, municipal, provincial, federal uh, colleges, universities and hospitals to make sure that they were in line with um, hiring folks that had certifications. It doesn't matter if they're union or non-union, as long as they were certified and qualified and had the proper training and, and safety protocol, then we knew that uh, that those jobs, they were going to have to hire the proper people. You know, we saw, um, I'll give you a good example. We saw a, a Catholic, um, a new Catholic school down in the Hamilton area. They uh, they went in and they uh, they hired this company. They they tested the water and the, the water came back for for lead poisoning. And um, so it was a new it was a new area. So they tested out at the road and they tested it in the school. Well, it turns out that the contractor they hired used um, all lead solder on the pipes. I don't even know where they would find it. Oh but, my goodness! Uh, yeah. So and that's a that's a recent story. That's a very recent wow. story. And. Um, there, uh, it was uh, when uh, when um, uh, Nenshi got uh, elected as the mayor of Calgary. I was out there and uh, meeting with his chief of staff in his office, and they said, "Well, we have a problem." And I said, "What's that?" Well, we procured for um, a plumbing company to take care of all the uh, plumbing needs for the city of Calgary, and uh, we soon found out there wasn't a licensed plumber on staff. <laughs> so they had uh, there, so there's issues of insurance. Um, uh, lost time accidents and um, usually so if you check um, if you check the um, the qualifications and make sure so in Ontario we got the Ontario College of Trades so if you check the Ontario College of Trades registry for the people that are working on your site to make sure that they're real electrician real plumber a real insulator um, or a real apprentice then you've got a about a 13 to 17 percent savings in your job because of change orders, less lost time accidents. And, um, you know, I'm not, this is really important to, to understand because we have those folks that out, out there that are the fly by night contractors. Um, they're the ones that, uh, you know, we're seeing uh, issues with public buildings, uh, different things falling down. I'll give you a prime example is the uh, the bridge across the 401 in Pickering being installed upside down. Right. Um, I think that was a infrastructure Ontario project. So those type of things, and you know they're not going to happen if you if you if you hire the right people to do the job. And um, so so this is a this is a public safety issue. It's also you know getting the right people to do the job and uh, make sure that it's professional. Uh, that's that's really the focus then, isn't it? Oh, exactly. And um, the, you know the motto is get the job right the first time. Right. And and everyone's on an even playing field if you're if you're hiring real plumbers, real electricians. And it was, it's funny because the building trades found that they weren't on a level playing field because there'd be um, unscrupulous contractors going in and, 
um, picking up whoever's not working at Tim Hortons to go run wire, for instance, you know, those right. type of issues. So, so your, uh, your clients, your clients are going to be municipalities or are they going to be contractors? They are the, uh, so they'd be the contractors association. They gotcha. would be the, uh, they would be the unions themselves. So that was our, um, we still do a lot of, uh, a lot of that work. Um, you know, we represent the, uh, the IBEW 353 in uh, Toronto. It's the largest electrical local in Canada. We've represented the United Association of Plumbers, Steam Fitters and Welders and the Insulators Union, Insulators 95 for Ontario. And they're all great um, contractors. They just want to see the job done right. They know that they're going to have competition with the non-union and they just want to make sure the, the playing field is level. I remember back when um, um, the uh, federal election before this one, um, it was actually the Insulators uh, 95 that proved that uh, West Block was being rebuilt with uh, non-qualified workers. So that was a, um, a bit of a black eye there yeah. as well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's uh, we we've got we've represented them right across uh, Canada and the U.S. And um, but um, you know we we're in the cannabis field, um, we're in the, um, the doing an awful lot of work in uh, in development uh, services. Um, we run the um, uh, building permits. We hire the engineer, the architect, and the uh, the planner. Um, we put uh, teams together out there to make sure that we're maximizing the gross floor area if you're building a tower or if you're you know building a waste facility for instance so um, a lot of work uh, on the development end and a lot more work coming on the development end um, from from what we've seen and this and, is uh, yeah i mean th this is all based on your experiences as a as a mayor of a of a town in in Durham region of uh, southern Ontario, like you you saw the the need for this kind of uh, service, right? Oh, absolutely. They need someone to uh, project uh, manage, manage. You know, planners uh, speak uh, planning language, engineers speak engineering language, but when you actually come in to try to project manage, and you got to use, um, you know, there's political decisions that are made. They wouldn't take it to council for a ratification vote on a development if uh, you didn't need political decisions. So that's how we found that we fit in with it. And um, uh, so, you know, we not only run the uh, the process and the projects that we we do provide a bit of the um, government relations services to make sure that the council understand the benefit of a project or so, and so on. Now I, I gotta I gotta um, I'd love to get a little bit into your backstory too, John. I hope that's okay. Because uh, I, I I talked about martial arts, but also bodybuilding. You were a bodybuilder, uh, so, <laughs> yes. so so tell us tell us how you got into that, and uh, did you win any trophies? Or you know this this seems yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a very very serious thing you were doing. So I always enjoyed. Uh, I was my family's all athletic. Uh, my daughter is the. Um, two-time Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion and my son-in-law is ranked second in the world in fact they're down in Florida um, fighting in the the Pan Ams um, this weekend and I think uh, this would be if my daughter wins it'd be like the third or fourth time in a row uh, winning it she's she's probably going to see time in the UFC over the next uh, year or two but um, I when I was a um, I always uh, trained and I, when I left public office, I found that I had a, even though I was working a lot, I found I had a little bit more time on my hands. So I started following a proper diet, uh, going to the gym all the time. And um, the, 
the first year I started competing, I actually made it to the Canadian Nationals. I finished in last place, mind you, but I got there. And um, then after that, uh, I won the um, um, the NPC um, uh, Brandywine Cup, which is for Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. My In 2014 was my last competition, and I won the NPC uh, New York State Championship. And I finished third at what they call the IFBB North Americans uh, two times in a row. So I, I, I decided bodybuilding is not a it's not a healthy sport you know i was sitting around 260 pounds and um you know what what would I, you eat in a typical day to, when you're in your bodybuilding phase I, um eight or nine meals a day at least nine ounces of protein each uh, each meal i would eat somewhere around 90 egg whites a day um i was uh <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it's a it's a it's a lot of food. it's Crazy. so expensive, so yeah. expensive. And then I moved into um, so I uh, I became a licensed boxer after that. I started training under uh, Everton McEwen, um, great boxer, uh, owns a Canadian record for most uh, amateur knockouts. He's been in um, he was in Cinderella Man. He's been in Up Against the Ropes. Uh, he's trained Lennox Lewis. You know, great, what a great coach, and, and so did some fights there with him and I was learning Kung Fu. Um, I did karate black belt when I was a kid and then my daughter got me in the jujitsu. So I, um, I've won a few, tr a few, uh, gold medals internationally with uh, jujitsu and, um, hoping when we get back to, uh, being able to, um, to have the large tournaments, I'm hoping to be able to go fight for world champion. So, you know, I think wow. genetics is supposed to work from father to daughter, not from daughter to father. So let's <laughs> see if that works, right? Jody, are you are you impressed yet? No, very. I was going to say, John, what's more dangerous, mixed martial arts or municipal politics? <laughs> by, by far, municipal politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And the uh, and the mixed martial artists, uh, they don't have an ego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jody was a former reporter of city council. They probably respect each other. They were in that in mixed martial arts, you respect your opponent. In politics, that's uh, not as prevalent. I find no, oh, no way, no way. That's right. So it was. It's funny because um, uh, I would say it was the second year out of uh, public office. I was a competitive bodybuilder and uh, obviously working for with my firm. And I did a documentary on the Discovery Channel. It was um, from mayor to bodybuilder, and it was part of this series called Tribes of the of the 21st Century. And it's still on every once in a while. And one of the amazing things is they said, um, um, "How do you equate bodybuilding and uh, and politics?" and um, And that was really easy because the egos are present in both of those sports. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. And I call yeah. politics a sport sometimes. Now, uh, Jody, you may not know this, but John is also a talent agent. And I know, Jody, you're a talent agent. So, John, why don't you talk about um, your musical uh, clients? I think that's important. Yes, yes. So, um, so that's, uh, I kind of, I, so I, I'm on this uh, board of this uh, 
a charity called Keep Your Hands to Yourself. It's a domestic assault group. And the um, the person that started is a lady by the name of Carrie Lynn Diamond. She's a wonderful lady and she's a singer herself. And she's going to have a new single coming out to the radio. And then on the board is Rob Laidlaw, who was the bass player for Platinum Blonde, Kim Mitchell. So Rob and I really hit it off. So we created a company called Consortium Entertainment. And I found this amazing young singer by the name of Taylor Landry. And you can uh, YouTube Taylor Landry and um, hear on a song, Don't Let Me Down. So I actually have been invested in Taylor Landry and uh, she is going to be she is going to be one of Canada's top stars. There's no question. I've Tony, I've, I've sent you about four of the, the songs that we've created. We're going to uh, release the singles in the new year. And I, I tell you, she's got a voice that is captivating. There's no question about it. I can't say enough about this, uh, this, this young lady. She is, she is going to go to the top of the chart. She writes her own music and her voice is just captivating. I think, Tony, you once called it smoky. Smo- yeah, it, it has uh, an Amy Winehouse feel, in my view. Yeah, she gets a, she gets a Halsey uh, vibe. Uh, Halsey, yeah. Yes, yeah. So she's uh, she's just uh, absolutely amazing. So you're you're doing a little bit of work for her and uh, Jody. You've got your your roster of t- uh, talented uh, artists uh, in the athletic field. So it was just uh, wow. automatic that we were going to have this conversation. I think. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, Tony, I'm I'm. <laughs> I'm in a movie that's coming out. Oh yeah, yeah, you got to talk about the movie. Yeah, talk about the movie. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, Albert Zafini, he uh, owns Crown Town Pictures and he owns Miss Globe. So I've known Albert for uh, quite some time, and uh, he says I want you to come out. This is two years ago. I want you to come out and read um, for a part I'm having in this new movie called The Blood Slinger. And I looked at him and I started laughing and I said, "You don't want me in anything." No, no, I really want you to come out. So he, I. He says, I want you to read for this part. And the part was a biker priest, um, which was kind of funny because uh, I, um, I'm i an ordained minister. Uh, a friend of mine asked me to, to get ordained so I could marry him and his wife. So I, I became ordained. And, um, you know, I got a bald head and a goatee, so it kind of looked the part. But they did not cast me as the biker priest. They cast me as the marshal who is actually a hitman for the star of the movie which was robert miano and i actually went around i carried a shotgun because it's a western horror so it's supposed to come out around halloween on uh, on netflix and i'm really looking forward to see it what, what's they, it uh, called again the the blood slinger the blood slinger the blood slinger yes and uh, and i'm the i'm the marshal and uh they did, I don't speak in the movie, so I guess they looked at me and said, uh, this guy probably can't put two words together and, <laughs> and passed me in a non-speaking part. But yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was a super experience. And there's going to be another movie coming up in the near future when everything with COVID gets straightened out. And uh, they're supposed to have Haley Berry in this one, and I'm supposed to be doing a fight scene with um, a guy by the name of Alan Delaby, and he was... Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme's uh, body double in um, in most of the fight scenes, in fact. I'm, so. I'm speechless. I, I you know, where, <laughs> where do you go after this, Jody? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's like having 10 guests all wrapped into one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it's uh, it's quite the life. And uh, John, you, I know you do a lot for charity too, and uh, you're always looking for ways to help people. So uh, people should know that about you as well. Yeah, I find it uh, it's super important to give back. It's something that my uh, my grandparents and uh, and parents always always taught me, and uh, it's just uh, you know you don't have to put your um, name in a newspaper that you help somebody just going out there and helping them and that just a sense of doing that that's all you need and uh, it uh, it's always going to be part of my life hey john quick question just based on your municipal background and involvement with politics um we have a lot of i'm guessing aspiring politicians that listen to this podcast probably on the conservative side of things is my guess uh tony I, I think that's right. I, I think sure. Most of our listeners are probably fall under that conservative banner. Not all of them, but I'd say most of them do. Um, what do you think is the best advice you could give to someone who wants to get into municipal politics? How does how does someone become an, an effective municipal politician? Well, I think uh, one of the things you got to do, and um, I um, I joined the Lions Club. I was already currently active in a. Um, in a couple of uh, different organizations. So I think uh, service club, let's see if you, you know how well you can do in a service club and then um, try to learn everything you can about uh, the budget and land use planning. It's, uh, I think you got to do a little bit of a little bit of reading. And uh, obviously I find that the people that are the most intelligent who um, are accessible and accountable seem to be the best municipal councillors and they seem to be the ones that continue to get elected. And, uh, but you know, you might have a lot of, <laughs> you might have a lot of conservative uh, listeners. However, I find that on municipal council, they always migrate to the left because it's yeah. the, last, the last resort for funding for any group. They've tried the federal, <laughs> tried the provincial level. Well, let's go down and let's ask the mayor and councillor. And I don't know how many times that I've seen um, councils waive the no grants policy. Why yeah. No <laughs> grants policy? <laughs> so, uh, and, and I've always, uh, I've always leaned uh, very far to the right on, in terms of uh, municipal budget. That's for sure. Yeah, and I was going to ask you quickly too because Antoni can weigh in on this as well, but. With with the current situation of COVID, obviously we don't know how long this will last. I'm curious your thoughts on how it will affect elections moving forward on all levels, because I'm certain that if we were to have an election within the next, let's even say eight to ten months on any level, I don't know if door knocking is is going to be something that works. Well, yeah. we've got we got these by elections going on right now in Toronto. And are they do they can't be door knocking, right? I guess not. I guess not. I don't yeah. know what they're doing, but well, like I guess, I guess you could do socially distanced door knocking, but um, how are you? You're, how you? You can't. You're you're gonna have to do an, a virtual uh, online or Zoom all candidates yeah. meeting. It's yeah. uh, it's going to be very problematic. Now, one of the things that I see coming up that's uh, I'm, I'm worried about the shutdown again, and. One of the biggest economic drivers that we have in Ontario that a lot of people do not know about is the local planning appeals tribunal. So mm -hmm. anything that goes to the city, um, that's um, like, you know, it's quite often it's challenged. It goes there. They've got billions of dollars worth of work sitting in cases there, and they were shut down just like yeah. the rent 
just like the uh, landlord tenant act so obviously there was issues with um eviction and so on but there's billions of dollars in projects at the local planning appeals tribunal that need to move through to get ontario's economy going going so if that shut down again we're in for doesn't matter how big any stimulus package is for for infrastructure it's not moving ahead without those houses and those commercial and industrial buildings forward you raise a good point i mean th- these are kind of the the things that are not in the headlines but it's the it's the it's the internal plumbing of society to uh, resolve any conflicts, you know, get stuff uh, built, uh, and uh, and that thereby create jobs. So uh, if that's not working very well, that's not a good sign. Oh, I. Uh, and uh, you think about uh, the hotspots are actually are actually the hotspots for construction as well. Yeah. True. 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 Yeah. Well, I I don't know, Jody. I, I know we're almost out of time, but I uh, I think uh, John Mutton. Uh, and I, I, I think this should be said, you know, obviously he's a sponsor to our show and we're very grateful for that. But he uh, he's also an interesting cat. He's got some uh, a good background story and uh, some good experiences that I thought our listenership would appreciate. So uh, I certainly feel like we've we've uh, done something that's uh, special in this podcast. Absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate being on. And uh, this has got to be the fastest 30 minutes in radio. I've lost lost track of time. I have no idea. (laughs) Well, that guy has unbelievable stories. I I, I just, I'm blown away. Well, we just scratched the surface. We just, I I was going to ask him about being in Russia at one point. And I mean, it's really quite a life he leads. And I, as I said uh, to to John, uh, yeah, he's a sponsor. We, we love to have our sponsors on our show, but it's, I think he's got a great life story that people would be interested in. Yeah, no, I was, uh, that was very cool. Tony, before we wrap this up completely for this episode quickly, I know, uh, you would have been moved by Eddie Van Halen's passing. Yeah. You know, and, um, of course, uh, he, uh, he expired, uh, due to cancer and, uh, everybody's been going back to their Van Halen albums and, you know, eruption guitar solos and so on. I got to see him once. I saw Van Halen reconstituted in 2014 at, at the Air Canada Center. Uh, Diamond David Lee Roth was uh, the front man, uh, wasn't Sammy Hagar. And, uh, I tell you the highlight by far were Eddie Van Halen's guitar solos, which were other like I'd, I, the the whole audience had their jaws on the ground. It was so impressive how he uh, he utilized the guitar to make sounds and uh, think you know just make music that nobody else in the world could do. So we're gonna miss him. Uh, and uh, I know that uh, he had a very troubled life, alcoholism and uh, uh, you know, marriage failure with Valerie Bertinelli and all this sort of jazz, but uh, the music is going to live on for forever. There's no question about it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I liked their music. I wasn't a huge Van Halen guy. I didn't follow everything by them, but obviously I was familiar with their hits and I enjoyed their music. Um, one thing that I do remember when it comes to Van Halen, I don't know if you recall the Drew Carey show. No, what happened watch that show? No. Did you watch that show ever? You remember Drew Carey, though? I remember the show. I, I yeah. Didn't watch it. Anyway, there was one episode where I can't remember if it was the neighbors of Drew or Drew himself, 
but whatever it was to annoy one or the other, they kept playing Panama oh, yeah. over and over and over. So that I always think of that beginning of Panama. I think I think Carey they did show. that. I think they did that in Abu Ghraib uh, <laughs> in Iraq <laughs> to torture those poor unfortunate souls who were the oh terrorists. So anyway, I, I think that's a true story, but anyway, don't quote me on it, but I think that's true as well. So anyway, right. uh, farewell. Uh, another, another great classic icon is gone, but uh, the music lives on and uh, let's, let's enjoy the music. Uh, you know, that's, that's, what's going to keep us going through this COVID mess. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you in seven days. Okay, bud. Good.